Take your Bibles, please, and turn to John chapter 11. That's where we are today. John chapter 11. As we continue in our series, Always Near, Jesus is always near us. Here's the key concept today. Jesus is able to revive us. Able to revive us. Let me tell you where we're going this morning. We're gonna, I'm going to take you to the story, familiar story of Jesus and Lazarus as Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. But what I want to show you this morning is the details of that story, the, the, the pathway that Jesus shows us on that story to Lazarus's physical revival is exactly what he wishes to do in us for a spiritual revival. So that's where we're going this morning. And as we, get, we enter the story in John chapter 11, we will begin at the point where Lazarus, who is Jesus' great friend, who is brother of Mary and Martha, living in Bethany, had grown gravely ill and had died. This is a story of Jesus breathing new life to where the stench of death had taken over. Jesus had heard that Lazarus was ill, but he delayed his coming. And in the intervening time, Lazarus passed away. And now we'll pick up the reading as Jesus is arriving at Bethany at the home where Lazarus and his sisters lived. And he has passed away. Let's pick up the reading in verse 32. It says, When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could he who opened the eyes of the blind man uh, not have kept this man from dying? And Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he's been there four days. Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Lazarus as we pick up the story, is where many of us are, in a cemetery. He's in a place of death. Lazarus is cold. Lazarus is unfeeling, unfeeling towards the people around him and the things around him and his situation. Lazarus is dead, just like some of us. And I say, Pastor, I'm, I'm not dead. Breathe in, breathe out. Nope, seems to be still working. I'm not dead. I'm not talking about physical death. I'm talking about a spiritual death on the inside. I'm talking about if we were to peel back all the polish and take away all the layers that we place over our lives, if we would look inside, 
would we see spiritual death? You see, the outside can be deceiving. Let me tell you a true story of where that was illustrated. It's a story about Adele Gabry of Worcester, Massachusetts. For four years, Adele Gabry was on the missing person list. Now, she had lived in a nice neighborhood with friends and neighbors who liked her a lot. They kind of banded together. And while she was on the missing person list, the neighbors got together and and decided that they would take care of Adele's house. They paid kids to cut the grass. They stopped the mail delivery. They shut off the gas and the water. They trimmed the hedges. They kept the appearance nice for Adele so when she got home, things would be right. What they didn't know is Adele had never left. She was dead inside the house. They believed the report that she was missing. They just took it, you know, as as a matter of case that she went someplace. It's a mystery. We don't know where she was. Nobody wanted to intrude. Nobody wanted to, you know, break her, her privacy and so forth. But eventually, the city of Worcester, Massachusetts, got around to doing something about this vacant property. And when they entered, they found she had died of natural causes four years earlier. That respectable, neat, outward appearance hid the reality of death inside. Now, make the connection. If we were to look past the respectable, neat appearance of all God's people, if we were to dip deeply inside for some of us, would we see a desperate need for personal revival? You see, it's easy to go through the motions. It's easy to look the part, sound the part. But deep down, there is an awareness, maybe caught only by us, but there's an awareness that the fire of the Spirit's not there. I'm still saved. I'm going to heaven. But I'm not a passionate follower of Jesus. Not anymore. Not by a long shot. And we don't exactly know how it happens. We don't recall when it happens. But somewhere along the line, something died on the inside between us and the Lord. Maybe it was an argument with a fellow believer, or maybe it was bitter thoughts, or maybe it was a secret sin that we just never get past and we're always trapped there, or maybe it's a heartache that came into our lives and we don't understand how a good God could allow that to happen. And so, you know, I'm just going to not have anything to do with Him. Maybe it's an unanswered prayer, or maybe we've just, for a long time now, have made material things our God. And that's the first God. That's the idol we worship. And the true God is in the background. But whatever the cause of it, we know that it's there. And we're afraid that Jesus looks at us and He gives up on us just like we have given up on ourselves or on Him. And what the story of Lazarus tells us is this. Jesus is not afraid of death. Jesus will go to where death is, and He has not given up on you. And He feels the same thing about spiritual death as He feels about Lazarus's physical death. And He comes to bring hope. He comes with a miracle in mind. He comes knowing that even though dead, that could be made vital and alive again. And see, Jesus enters this scene, and it's an emotional scene. He goes to the home of his friend with the full knowledge that Lazarus is dead. And he comes in, and people are weeping, and people are crying, and he too feels the sorrow and the grief of the loss. 
John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. The effect of death affects Jesus that way. He's in turmoil. But it's not just because of a personal loss that Jesus is weeping that day. I think it's because Jesus sees in stark reality what sin does to the world and to his people. Sin kills. Because of sin, death has entered our reality, and his friend has fallen victim, just like we all do. See, it's not the fact that Lazarus was a specially bad sinner, probably the opposite. But sin brings death, and we all die. And Jesus weeps over that because it didn't have to be that way, but this is the way it is. But then there's that level of spiritual death, and Jesus feels the same way about it. Maybe we're up and walking and taking nourishment, but the spiritual death causes him grief. And he says, take away the stone. Now, that's not an impulsive action on the part of Jesus, even though Martha, the ever-practical one, doesn't quite get what Jesus is doing. Take away the stone. See, Jesus has a miracle in mind. Jesus has revival in mind. Jesus comes with the intention of bringing the dead back to life. And what's intriguing to me about this story, it always hits me, is that this is a set-up miracle. Now, most of Jesus' miracles are not that. Most of the miracles we read about in the Gospels, He's just walking along the way. He's just going about His business, and He sees the need and the people bring him need, and he responds to the need in miraculous fashion. But this is a set-up miracle. He recognized that he will be arriving after healing is no longer possible. He will be arriving, coming to do a revival of Lazarus. He waited long enough so that that's the case. Now, notice I call it a revival and not a resurrection. And the reason I do that is because when we are resurrected, like, like when Jesus was resurrected, we'll be resurrected into a new body, into a spiritual body that will be for all eternity. Lazarus is revived to his old body by the power of God. But still, Jesus comes with miraculous terms in mind, and he sees past the death, and he wants everybody around him to see past death and to catch the fact that when he is near Everything is possible. Death can be defeated. So he says, roll away the stone. And Martha says, oh, no, 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 don't do that. It stinks in there. Plus, it's just not done. It's not proper. Lazarus would be embarrassed. And as well-meaning as she is, she's standing in the way of a miracle. She doesn't, re she doesn't realize it. Now, there will always be those who are caught up in their issues, maybe even well-meaning, captured by their own small thinking, and to a degree, they'll not see God's wonderful possibilities right before them. Martha models that for us here. But you see, the Lion of Judah is not going to be concerned with polite decorum as he has a miracle in mind. He stands before that, uh, that grave, and he's not, no longer concerned with what is usually done. He's not thinking about the normal course of events. He's here to shatter the normal course of events. He has a miracle in mind. And let me show you the steps of this miracle. Because the steps of this miracle for Lazarus are the steps of the miracle for those of you who say, 
I need a personal spiritual revival. Step number one was prayer. Back in verse 41, he says, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing there that you may believe, that they may believe that you sent me. You see, Jesus is praying there, but he's referring to a previous prayer. I thank you that you heard me, a prayer that has already happened, a prayer that he prayed to his heavenly Father. He bathed this moment in prayer. He more than anything else wants to do what God the Father wants him to do. And so he's prayed about it. He prayed as he walked to Bethany with the disciples in tow. He prayed as he drew close to the home and started to hear the wailing and the weeping. He prayed as he went out to where the tomb was and the blistering sun. And he prayed as the stone was rolled away. He knew that, he, that God the Father had heard that prayer. But he wants to make sure that the people around him know that this starts in prayer. This starts by connecting to the power of God. And so he, pray, he has prayed and he expects this miracle. He knows it's the Father's will. He's in touch with the Father. And he moves on to step two. Verse 39, take away the stone. In other words, remove the barrier. Now here's where Martha gets a little nervous. I mean, it's okay to pray. That's very nice. It shows that you were concerned. Thank you very much for the prayer. But let's not go too far. Let's not get far-fetched here, a little bit fanatical. I know you're sincere and everything else, but really what we ought to be doing, Jesus, is planning a memorial service, right? Let's keep the dead where they belong. But Jesus says, take the stone away in such a way that it is obvious that He expects the prayer to be answered. Something's going to happen here. Take the stone away. But then the third part, the dead hear the power of the call of God. Verse 43, it says, Lazarus, come out. Actually, the Greek could be translated, Lazarus, this way out. Come to my voice. Follow my voice. Follow my lead. I'm going to show you the way to get out of the grip of death that entangles you. This way. And the fourth step, the dead man came out. See, Lazarus responded at the command of the Lord. He responded, though dead, now alive, and out of that dark tomb, he comes into the light of day. What must it have been like to be there? Can you imagine? You know, already I've, I've shared with you that Sylvia and I are enjoying watching the TV series, The Chosen, following the life of Christ, really in a very creative way. I hope they do this scene. I hope they met. not everything is in it, so I hope this is in it because, oh, I want to see, I want to visualize it, you know? Years ago, Frank, Franco Zeffirelli had a film entitled Jesus of Nazareth, and he included this scene in, in, that, in that film. And as he staged the scene, the perspective is, is kind of, you're kind of looking over the shoulder of Jesus. He says, Lazarus, come out, and there's a pause. And then... The dead man comes out wrapped in linen. And in the, in the side of the camera, you see the people there fainting, some just falling on their knees, others just kind of overwhelmed with emotion. That's what it was like to be there, I'm sure. It wasn't a calm scene. It was chaos. 
It was fearful. It was awesome. The call of God worked, and a revival miracle happened, and dead Lazarus walks out of the grave. You see, revival is chaotic, and miracles are messy. But what it shows is this. There are no boundaries that God cannot cross. There's no part of you that He cannot reach. There's nothing that's walled off, and He wants all of you. So, Revival. So a lot of this applies to spiritual revival because the stench of spiritual deadness is awful in the nostrils of God. Don't settle for going through the motions. Don't settle for your spirit and soul within you withering and drying up. Jesus is near enough to revive. But oftentimes we settle for bland. We settle for every day. We settle for boring. I read a story about a church that had a memorial flag in their, in their foyer. It was a flag uh, honor, to honor the veterans who had lost their life in the war. It was a flag with a, a bunch of stars all throughout the flag. And one day a little boy asked his dad, Dad, what, what are those stars all about? Well, son, he said, they're, they're to remind us of those who died in the service. The boy thought for a moment. Did they die in the first service or the second service? <laughs> There's too, that comes too close, <laughs> too close. Too many of us stuck in that figurative cemetery up and walking, but there's a rigidity of spirit inside of us. There's a formality in worship that just kind of goes through the motions. There's a, a rigor mortis of the soul, a coldness towards others, a deadness towards God, an attitude that my way or the highway, you got to do it my way. That's death. That's pride. Trapped in that spirit, you're in the graveyard and you need to know the way out. What we need is revival. What is revival? Some would say revival is a week of meetings with a special speaker. Some would say revival is when you get all emotional and you run around the sanctuary with tambourines. Or some would say, you know, bark like a dog, cluck like a chicken, whatever it is. None of that is revival. Revival is not a program. Revival is a work of God. And it is the filling of the Holy Spirit in His power in such a way that the people of God are brought into vibrant spiritual life after a time of deadness. It is passionate, lifelong following of Jesus Christ. That's our mission. That's what we say we do here. Win and build though people for a passionate, lifelong follower of Jesus, into Jesus, passionate, lifelong followers of Jesus Christ. That's what we, we say we do. But really all we're saying is we ought always to live at that level. We ought always to, to in, be in that passionate fullness. And why revival is rare is because we so easily st- slip away from the passion God wants us to feel, too content to sp- in spiritual complacency. And spiritual complacency is death. Jesus comes near to us, and He comes with a uh, miracle in mind. And the miracle in mind that He has for us, our revival, individual, personal, spiritual revival will follow the exact same pattern that he has for this physical revival here. And it will start with prayer. So I'm going to ask you to do something. Seriously. Would you be willing to spend five minutes a day, each day this next week, praying for your personal spiritual revival? At some point in the day, just five minutes. 
Pray for spiritual revival. No, I'm not saying that, that, that uh, we're, we're not where we need to be with, with Jesus, but no matter where we are in our faith journey, there's more. No matter where we are, there's better. Ask for it. Five minutes. It begins in prayer. That time commitment is not hard, but that prayer is powerful because you pray expecting God to do something. And He'll hear it in that five-minute prayer. He, God is not impressed by long-winded prayers. Five minutes. Ask God for spiritual revival. But then do this. Step two. Remove the barriers to answered prayer from your life. What do I mean by that? Jesus said, roll away the stone, remember? You can't pray for revival and be clinging on to sin. You can't pray for revival and hide stuff in the back of your heart, in the back of your mind, hoping that Jesus is not going to see it. He's not going to turn a blind eye. So when we ask for revival, part of what we also need to be doing is rolling away the stones of those things that might get in the way of it in our life. And that's done in repentance. Roll it away. Because whatever it is, it is a barrier to revival on a personal level. And it also is a barrier to revival on a church level because we're in this together. And we need to see God show up powerfully in our midst. Roll away the barrier with repentance. Step three, exactly as in Lazarus' story, listen for the call of God. And it's going to come. God's willing to call us out of the death we're experiencing. And what will happen is it'll, it'll call us into a new direction. You see, there may be a forgiveness that needs to be a part of your life. That'll be called out of you. There may be restitution for wrongs. That'll be called out of you. You may need to confess a bitter attitude that was allowed to fester for too long. Whatever it is, the call will come. And if we do not act to right whatever is wrong, it's kind of like Lazarus hearing the call of Jesus outside the tomb, this way out, and Lazarus saying, no, thank you, I'm fine in here. After all, i got all my grave clothes on and everything else, so I'll just choose to stay right here. See, personal revival will change us. Personal revival will redirect us. It's going to alter our lives. Personal revival will, will cause some of us to change our careers. Personal revival will change for some of us, ungodly relationships that shouldn't be there. Personal revival will call us to new levels of generosity, putting away ungodly habits. Personal revival will cause us to feel a longing to serve the Lord and advance His kingdom and doing it in a way that He has wired us to do. So when we say yes to that, it is the most joyful thing we can do because I am built to do this. Personal revival will help us find it. See, spiritual deadness needs to be something that we weep over, just like Jesus wept over Lazarus' death, death. John Wesley said this, Give me 100 people who despise nothing but sin and desire nothing but God, and I will shake the world. And you know, we can be those people. Hate sin, desire God, personal revival. Visualize it this way. Visualize this image in your mind that you're in a long, dark hallway. There's no lights in this hall, and it's dark all around you. But at the end of the hall, you see a door, and underneath that door, there is a glimmer of light that's coming from the crack under the door. And that light on the other side of that door represents living in the love of God. And that door 
crossing that threshold, that is personal revival. Dedicate yourself this week to pray for that five minutes each day. I think the Lord will answer. And when He does, we will be changed. Let's pray together. Lord, thank You for this example from the story of Lazarus, of how much You care. Thank You for Your love. And You always see that we could be better. We could do better. Lord, we ask that You would revive us. I pray that You would revive my soul. I pray, Lord, that I would love You more, know You more, experience, experience You more. And I pray, Lord, for, for all of us, that this is our longing prayer. Show us the steps ahead of us. And when we are revived in spirit, continuing on in the joy of the Lord, Lord, we will give you the glory and we'll make a difference for you. Help us do that, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.